From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a radio advisory. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. Private equity is disrupting the healthcare industry, and it's doing it in more ways than one. There is no doubt that PE is putting increased pressure on today's health leaders. But is private equity the villain? Are they the bad guy that we all love to hate? Or maybe is PE just misunderstood? To talk us through our latest thinking, I've brought two advisory board experts, Sarah Hostetter and Vidal Sigobin. Hey, Vidal. Hey, Sarah. Welcome back to Radio Advisory. Hey, Ray. How's it going? Hi, Ray. This is a milestone two plus years in the making because we are actually in person recording this episode. I mean, technically, we are physically in the same building. We are all physically in the advisory board office, although we are still recording in separate rooms, but that's okay. I'm just excited to watch the steady adjustment of dress code as we move back into the office. It feels like it's quite flexible. I know. I saw shorts today. (gasps) There's critical mass of shorts, particularly for men. Well, especially, you know, in the D.C. area, it is hot. It is a literal swamp. Not because of the people. It is a literal swamp. Before we get into the details of our discussion, I don't actually want to pretend that our audience fully understands private equity or what's at stake here. Frankly, I'm not even sure that I understand all of it. So Vidal, can you give us an overview of the key things that we should know about private equity and its influence in the healthcare space? Sure. I'm going to give it a shot. Hopefully (laughs) we don't get a lot of uh, negative blowback afterwards. All press is good press. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, And I'll try to be as non-jargony as possible. I like to describe private equity to my parents as just another investor who raises money through limited partners who are committing sometimes very large dollar amounts to a fund manager, in this case, it's a private equity firm, who are going to use that money to invest in, in this case, established businesses, and to use that capital to grow the return on that capital. And they've looked for all sorts of different avenues to apply that capital. And no surprise, healthcare has has been one of the major winners for that money. And so we expect, and I think the reason why we're talking about this today, is because there's a lot of activity and interest from these investors to apply that capital with healthcare businesses, which can run the gamut of biomedical, pharmaceutical, outpatient settings, clinics, hospitals, all the like. So there's a lot happening when it comes to private equity and healthcare. And you two are out there actually talking to health leaders about this topic every day. What are some of the things that come up when you have these conversations? What are some of the feelings? Maybe what are some of the fears that you hear when you talk to executives about private equity? I want to caveat, Ray, your listeners probably know me by now. I've been on a handful of times. I'm like ride or die physician practice. That's where I spend my time. That's that's where I do my research. However, this research was really cool because we talked to physician practices. We talked to law firms that work on these private equity deals. We talked to PE firms themselves. We talked to other stakeholders about what they wanted to know. 
our central question was around physician practices. So that's where I kind of caveat my take today and, and my standpoint. The research that my team has done has been focused on physician practices. Physician practices either hate or love private equity. Like you can't talk to a physician practice that doesn't have an impression or hmm. a opinion on private equity, however informed or, or, or non-informed that opinion is. So it's a very polarizing topic for physician practices. What about health systems? So health systems uh, see uh, private equity largely as predators and disruptors to their current business model. I would argue that they are a little jealous that private equity is probably starting from scratch with a lot yeah. of access to capital and building a network that was fit for purpose for the 21st century compared to what they're operating. And so I think it does skew a little bit more towards the negative side than the positive. And these attitudes are changing or maybe just getting a little bit louder because there are changes in the way and the amount that private equity is investing in healthcare. Let's first talk about what we've seen historically. What has been private equity's role in healthcare and how is it changing today? At least in the physician practice space, the legacy model was invest in and roll up specialty practices. So I am going to buy a lot of ophthalmology practices, dermatology practices, roll those up into a bigger aggregated entity. We still see that investment in specialty care. Some changes in the specialties, so ortho and GI are, are hotter more recently. But the business model for any of those specialties is kind of the same. Let's be as efficient as possible, get as many volumes as possible, because the business model is fee-for-service. Yes. You, you want to do fee-for-service kind of core revenue and then ancillaries, lab, what can we shift outpatient? How many component parts can we add on within these type of specialties or can we different business lines these specialties have? And how is that different from what we're seeing today? Private equity, like the rest of the healthcare ecosystem, is interested in value-based care. Private equity follows what the what the healthcare ecosystem trends are doing. So we are seeing movement into value-based care. And so as a result, we are seeing private equity firms invest in primary care practices. So I think what is really interesting about these investments is from the outside, the model is still the same. You want to aggregate, you want to cut costs, but the way that they go about doing those things is different or the purpose behind it is different. Because the purpose is value-based care. Exactly. So you want to aggregate to have more covered lives in a single region, right? You want to cut costs, but not at the expense of quality. But then you also need to invest in things that produce higher quality care. So data and analytics, care team redesign, virtual care. So the, that investment looks a lot different when we're talking about value-based care. And this is exactly why the physician space is so interesting when it comes to private equity. Because I'm just going to say it, the way that you just talked about primary care, Sarah, is not the way that most people talk about primary care, right? Especially when I think about incumbent health systems, no one is talking about primary care as a moneymaker. But you are telling me that the partnership between independent or, or hospital-less physician practices and PE actually sees value-based care as a moneymaker. Yes. If you're going to ask the question about what's 
different or the uh, same about private equity. I, private equity is in some cases a pure economic actor, right? So they are trying to find the most effective return on investment with the minimum amount of risk and the fastest turnaround time. And I think historically they have looked at established businesses that can grow at a certain multiple. And I think it's very curious that some of them are making the bet that they can make those levels of returns in a value-based care world by partnering with or owning these physician practices, these primary care practices that will steer and direct patient traffic. And I will add two caveats to that. One is a lot of the movement is in Medicare Advantage. Yep. In general, in the industry for value-based care, that's yes. where a lot of the movement is, right? And so a similar approach for physician practices, we are we are targeting primary care groups that do value-based or Medicare Advantage. The other one I would add is that the difference between a primary care, independent primary care practice and a health system in terms of how they intersect with value-based care is there is a lot of places where the incentives are aligned for mm. fee-for-service and value-based care. So if I am keeping you out of the hospital or keeping you in primary care, and I am the group that delivers the primary care to you, that benefits whether I am in value-based care or whether I am in fee-for-service. So either I can bill for the encounter from a fee-for-service perspective, or I am keeping your, your total cost down by keeping you in primary care. So there is this like sweet inflection point of the incentives in the independent space. That is, the math is different for a health system. What both of you are describing is effectively a partnership. And Sarah, like you said, you have been on this podcast many, many times before talking about how the partnership landscape is changing for physicians and that there is no shortage of partners available for physicians today. So I guess my question is, what's the specific value that private equity would bring to physicians that other partners don't? The number one thing for me and for the groups that I talk to is fast growth. There is a difference between a large bureaucratic entity and a business ROI-minded entity in terms of who's investing in you. And so the, the driving force behind a private equity investment is grow the business fast. That is return for shareholders if you grow a business fast, of which physicians are often still shareholders. So that is the, the big value prop or the overarching thing. But then we see a couple other things on the, on the ground that I think are, are part of the value prop as well. One that stands out for me is the promise of clinical autonomy. And I say, you know, I'm air quoting right now. I realize people can't see that, but... <laughs> PE comes in and says, we will preserve your clinical autonomy. Like practices say this, PE firms say this. I think the jury's still out on how much that is true or how long that will last if our bet is on value-based care. I agree exactly with what Sarah said. I think about it just agnostic of any type of, of business unit in healthcare where private equity is coming to the table with two key differentiators actually, which are not, in fact, differentiators. They are providing you with expertise and access to capital. And, and everyone's going to pitch a different way that they think they can make your business grow. And, and the one underlying point I'd say that came up from some of the conversations we had is that private equity in many cases doesn't have the baggage as a capital partner or as a funding partner 
that some other potential incumbents have like health yeah. plans or other health systems. Um, so I think that's all part of the, the politics of the equation here. Clearly, there's a lot of feelings about private equity. I'm frankly not that surprised because the more we see PE get involved in the healthcare space, we hear more, to Vidal's point, negative feelings about what that means for healthcare. Frankly, this bad guy persona is even seen in mainstream media. I can think of several cable medical dramas that have made private equity or maybe it's specific investors as the literal enemy, right? The enemy of the docs that are the saviors of their hospital or ER or medical practice. Is that the right way we should be thinking about private equity? Are they the bad guy? I mean, the short answer, Ray, is no. I think private equity is a scapegoat for a lot of the other problems we're seeing in the industry. Mm. So the influx of money and where it's going and and the influence that that has on healthcare. I think private equity is a prime example of that. I also think the horror stories all get lumped together. So yeah. we don't think about who the PE firm is or what is being invested in. We put together physician practices and health systems and SNFs and we lump every story all together as opposed to considering those on their individual merits. And feeds to this bad guy kind of persona that's out there. Yeah. And like you said, the media doesn't help, right? Like if if the average consumer is watching and seeing different portrayals or lumped portrayals, it's not helping. Private equity, as all actors in our complex ecosystem, is not a monolith. Yeah. And no one has the monopoly on great decisions in healthcare, nor do they have a monopoly on the bad decisions in healthcare. And so if you attribute a bad case to private equity, um, then you also have to attribute the positive returns um, from a private equity investment as well. Agree with what Vidal's saying. The bottom line is that Every stakeholder is not going to have the same outcomes or ripple effects from a private equity deal. It really depends on the deal itself, the market, and the vantage points that you take. I want to actually play out a scenario with the two of you, and I want you to talk about the positive and the potentially negative consequences for different sectors or different stakeholders. So let's take the newest manifestation that, Sarah, you talked to us through. Let's say that there is a PE-packed multi-specialty practice, heavily in value-based care. That practice starts to get bigger. They acquire other practices, including maybe even some big practices in a market. And they start employing all of the unaffiliated or loosely affiliated practices in the market. I am guessing that every health system leader listening to this episode is already starting to sweat. What does this mean for the incumbent health system? So I think one thing that's going to be pretty clear is that size does confer clear advantages mm -hmm. and healthcare is is part and parcel of that kind of benefit. What I think is is challenging is when we're entering into a moment where access to capital is challenging for health systems in particular and we're going to need to scale up investments, health systems could see themselves falling further and further behind as private equity makes smart investments into these practices to both capture and retain volume and as a consequence of that, reduces the amount of inpatient demand or the demand to their bread and butter services. And I think it's really important that you phrase the question, Ray, as health system, 
because we so often equate health system and hospital. Yep. But a health system includes lots of hospitals. It includes ambulatory facilities, a range of services. And so I think for systems who equate health system and hospital, it's really hard when any type of super practice or large backed practice comes into the market, whether we are talking about a plan back practice, a PE back practice, or just a really large independent group. There are pressures on health systems who think of their, their job or their primary service as the hospital. And there is a, a moment where the power dynamics can shift in markets away from the health system. Oh, yeah. If they aren't able to pivot their strategy beyond just the hospital. Which is exactly why health systems see the scenario as, let's just say it, threatening. Sarah, then how do the physicians feel? Do they have the opposite feelings as the incumbent health systems? There's a huge range. Private equity is incredibly polarizing in the physician practice world, the same way that it is in other parts of the industry. So I think there is a hope from some practices that private equity is a type of investor that is aligned with them. You know, physicians who go into private practice historically tend to be more entrepreneurial. They are shareholders in their own practice. So there are some natural synergies between private equity, business-minded folks, and these physicians. There's also welcome, you know, even though I go into a small business, it takes a lot to run a small business. So there are potentially welcome synergies and help that you can get from a PE firm. On the flip side of that, there are groups who would never in a million years consider taking a private equity yeah. investment and are unwilling to have these conversations. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. We've been talking about value-based care for decades, but progress has been so slow that value-based care feels like little more than a buzzword. It's time to change that. I'm Claire Worth, and my team and I are working with executives across the industry and analyzing claims data to figure out how you can take the reins and drive the industry towards a new cost equality standard for all patients, including commercial populations. Explore our latest work at advisory.com slash BBC. There is a tendency, especially in the conversation that we're having, for folks to think about private equity as being something that primarily impacts the provider space, at least when it comes to healthcare. But I'm not sure that that's actually true. So what consequences, good or bad, might the payers feel, might the life sciences companies feel? So one common refrain when talking about private equity and their acquisition or partnering with traditional healthcare businesses like physician practices is that they are immediately focused on cutting costs. So they are going to consolidate all of the purchasing contracts. They are going to make pretty aggressive decisions about real estate, all the types of cost components that run the business. Now, if you are a 
a kind of life sciences or a diagnostic business for whom you would depend on being an incumbent in those contracting decisions, you're worried that the private equity is either going to direct you to a lower cost provider or in many cases, another business that the private equity firm owns as well, right? They would love to keep synergies within the portfolio of businesses that they've acquired and they partnered. So if you were relying on incumbent or historical purchasing practices with these physician practices, it can be disrupted. Yeah. Depending on the arrangement. And then I think there's a range of potential implications for payers. So you have some payers who themselves are aggregating independent practices and they're targeting the same type of practices that the PE firms that are betting on value-based care are targeting. That's right. They are targeting primary care groups who are big in Medicare Advantage. So there's some inherent competition potentially for the physician practice landscape there. Well, and I think they're they're trying to offer the same thing, right? They're trying to offer capital. They're trying to do that with the promise of autonomy. Mm-hmm. And they're coming up against a, a competitive partner that is saying, I can do both of those things and I can do it better and faster. Yeah. And both of them are saying we can do it better and faster than hospitals. Yes. That's the other thing, right? Which that part's probably true. (laughs) Yeah. Their goals are aligned and they believe they can get there different ways. And I think autonomy is a big sticking point here for me or a big bellwether for me because I think whoever can get to value-based care while preserving autonomy is going to win. You have to have some level of standardization to do value-based care well. You can't just let everyone do whatever they want. You need high quality results for lower costs. That inherently requires standardization. So who can thread the needle of getting that standardization while preserving a degree of autonomy? You know, it's fascinating as we've had this calls, it was suggested multiple times that payers actually might be the end of the line for some of these PE deals, that there's a lot of alignment between what payers are trying to do with their aggregation and what PE firms who are investing in primary care do. And hey, payers have a lot of money too. So could we actually see some of these PE deals end with a payer acquisition because they're trying to achieve similar things just differently? What about larger market dynamics that we haven't talked about yet? I understand that the individual stakeholders that we just talked about might feel positively or negatively. Frankly, some might feel both at the same time. But what might this scenario mean for the market writ large? I say one natural conclusion I often come to is that private equity is one other player that is making healthcare entities larger and more connected. And Sarah and I and multiple other people have this conversation when we fast forward the tape is, does the future uh, of healthcare involve mega systems with a lot of umbrella Mm -hmm. organizations under a bigger banner? And everyone's doing this somewhat independently, but we're all approaching it with the same levels of strategies in which and converge on this uh, bigger, this world of mega systems or, or mega entities. Well, and Vidal, as you talk about integration and particularly vertical integration, I have some outstanding questions on whether vertical integration is the way that private equity will go, because so much of what we have seen is aggregation of like things. And vertical integration requires just like a level of, I don't want to say sophistication because that sounds wrong, but a level, a different value 
proc. Like you're just not trying to turn around ROI when you're getting to the level of vertical integration. You're trying to create an integrated health system with multiple business lines. That's hard and may not produce ROI as easily. I'm inclined to agree with you. And I come at it from a slightly different angle, but come to the same conclusion, which is the time horizon that would be ideal for a private equity firm would be to identify a target and then to generate the return necessary within three years if they could. And historically, when we're thinking about the sophistication, the complexity of vertical integration and making it run and making it work, I would be skeptical that you can do that in that short time horizon. What could potentially change is that the time horizon for private equity changes, right? Where some of our conversations have indicated mm-hmm. that the three to five year heuristic is, is being disabused for a longer time horizon. But I think we're converging on the same answer from different perspectives. Well, and I think you are also touching on an important distinction. We, you know, we talked about the value prop before and how PE may be different. And we say PE is another type of partnership. And it is a distinction that we should acknowledge that the PE partnership is, as it's defined now, shorter in duration. So therefore, the goals are going to look different and the impact on a market is going to look different Mm -hmm. because you might have one investor that is coming in for even on a long end, five to seven years, you don't know who the next buyer is going to be. And it's likely like what we're seeing right now is a lot of either trading between PE firms so that we have similar minded investors pick up that investment. But I think that's part of the concern is it feels volatile to a market, even if the what is happening is very similar across these different players. I went to a private equity happy hour last week. What? And um, yeah. Nerd. And in, I know. interestingly, to, to Sarah, to your point, what's happening right now is private equity is asking about a potential acquisition for their 10-year plan. Hmm. And if they are selling it off, they're asking for the 10-year plan. So I think that there's, you know, N of one, but an indication that the time horizon is going to have to change. And maybe that makes value-based care more possible than before, but I think it's definitely something that's happening right now. I want to come back to the context of this scenario. The context being that virtually every player in the healthcare market is seeing private equity as potentially a bad guy, right? Even those that have positive feelings maybe have some fears and may be willing to call PE the scapegoat. This is my question for the two of you. Is that even the right way to be thinking about private equity? Is the right question to be asking, is private equity good or bad, or is there a better question we should be asking? I tend to take a somewhat philosophical point of view, and this is reflected in some of the comments that I made a moment ago that I think are important to underline. Private equity is a is an actor, a capitalist actor, and it operates in a capitalist model. So they are trying to maximize returns, mm-hmm. minimize risk, and do that as fast as possible. In the long scape of looking at all of these private equity firms, you can point to actors that did a good job, and you can point to an actor and actors that did a bad job. And so I think what the scapegoating ends up happening is we attribute the vagaries, the positives and the negatives of a market exposed healthcare system. And we say private equity is the one that's doing bad here. But in truth, they are simply acting within the rules that we've dictated or set for the way that we want to manage our systems. So is a better question, is this a good partner or not? And private equity could be 
a partner or it could be any of the other people that we've talked about in previous conversations, Sarah? That's exactly the question that we decided to answer in our research instead. So we set out with this, is PE good or bad? That was the question that everyone wanted us to answer. And we instead started to discover some hallmarks that make for a good PE partnership with a physician practice or a more successful. One, we've talked about at length, so I won't belabor it, but what type of care is being delivered and how aligned are we on our both partners on that type of care? So are we betting on specialty care, fee-for-service? Are we aligned on value-based care in a primary care perspective? That's going to have impacts on how good, quote unquote, the deal is. Another big one when it comes to private equity is practice sophistication. So we have this idea with a private equity investment in a physician practice that you're either the platform, so you are the practice with the sophistication and the infrastructure that we're going to bring to scale, or you're an add-on. So you are coming in later. You're not going to get as sweet of a deal. So it may not be as successful for you or feel as successful to you, even when it could for practice number one, the platform practice. We touched on this idea of quick growth. Mm -hmm. That's the third one. Are we really bought into this idea? Because people can think it's a good idea. And then when it comes to doing the hard work of growing, things fall apart. And the two others that we discovered in our research are, Madal actually alluded to this, but no two PE firms are the same either. So PE firms can have a range of knowledge of healthcare and experience in healthcare. And just because a PE firm has been investing in physician practices doesn't mean they're a good fit to jump into value-based care. They need to understand the industry and, and the partners that they're working with. And the last one alludes to this idea that we were talking about before around what's happening in the market. The regional market dynamics actually play a big role. Mm-hmm. So what does the competition look like? How well can, especially in primary care, can you develop a regional strategy? You know, we're still, we haven't really gotten to a ton of like hugely successful national players and systems. The regional strategy is still really important. As researchers, what are you looking at next? What are the unanswered questions that you have when it comes to private equity in healthcare? What it's going to do to value-based care. So we're throwing this money at value-based care. That's not to say that PE is like the savior that's going to bring us all to value-based care. That's not what I'm implying. But we have a large investor who is willing or lots of money and with many investors that are willing to take a bet on this in such a way that it may shift the dynamics to make it a more lucrative or it might throw enough money at it to get us there. So as a fan of Marvel movies, I'm kind of having thinking about it from a multiverse perspective. So in the one hand, I think we can pretty confidently say that there's rough waters ahead economically. And historically, healthcare has been industry that has weathered those waves pretty well. And does that result in more interest and more investment from private equity or other investors in healthcare? Or does other factors kind of slow down the aggressive acquisition and activity in healthcare because interest rates increasing means that valuations, future valuations have to decline or be adjusted? So I'm very curious about how macroeconomic forces will impact or influence private equity's participation in healthcare. My guess is that they'll probably still be at the same level, if not continue to increase. Well, Sarah, Vidal, I want to end our conversation as I always do, which is to give each of you the opportunity to give our listeners a takeaway. However, this time I'm going to tell you up front that I want to hear multiple answers from you. Are you just doing this because I always give you two? I'm just getting ahead of the fact that I know you're going to give me two anyways. (laughs) And in this case, you probably should. 
what message do each of you have for private equity as they think about the future? For me, it is to not hide the ball. So when I talk to physician practices, they regularly tell me how they're surprised when they start to compare potential partners, how similar a private equity partner is to the other partners they're considering. So they may go in with a certain expectation and then PE comes in and they're like, wow, this is more similar than Mm. we thought. Because we know that so much of what makes a good partnership is alignment on goals and alignment on needs and alignments on things that we will not compromise on, you're better off not hiding the ball. So give the actual pitch of what you think of how you're aligned on expectations. Talk about how you're going to achieve growth. Nothing is going to make a physician more mad if you co- than if you come in and say one thing, I'm not going to touch your autonomy, and then you do it. So tell them what you're going to do and why you are the better partner to get them where they want to go. Private equity probably could uh, stand to be a little bit more humble in terms of why they think that they are, are finding partners that work. I think generally they're making solid pitches and they are bringing expertise to bear and are providing a a pretty compelling investment thesis. But I think that there's also part of the reason why they're being successful is because the incumbent players have a bad reputation when it comes to practices, right? And I don't think that that's going to continue to be the case forever. There is definitely a spotlight in terms of what private equity is doing, even if their footprint financially is not as well uh, documented as a publicly traded firm. But more people are going to get wise to the bad stories because people have an agenda to make the bad stories more public. And so I would probably echo what what Sarah said earlier, which is your pitch is probably going to have to get more refined because more people are becoming aware of you as an actor. And that may not be to your benefit, even if you think it is. And what message do you have for the rest of the industry? I think it starts where we started this conversation, which is, is PE the good guy or the bad guy? And I think that It doesn't matter, honestly. PE is here. It is investing in healthcare and it's not going anywhere. And I think we play this good guy, bad guy card because it's a lot easier to debate, well, should it be here? Yeah. Right? It's easier to say, oh, but it's bad and blame private equity than to figure out what we do with the fact that private equity is a player in the healthcare Mm -hmm. space, like full stop, not just with physician practices. So for everyone else, Figure out how we adapt because private equity isn't going anywhere anytime soon. To build on Sarah's point, I would advise incumbent health systems, uh, players in the healthcare ecosystem, don't bet so heavily that non-incumbents like private equity are going to run up into the barriers and walls that we've traditionally known that hinder our, our progress here. I mean, we all kind of index on, well, you look at what happened with Haven same thing is going to happen in private equity. These actors are very sophisticated. They are very targeted in their approach, and they have a very clear end game that they're playing towards. And if you think that when they come to know healthcare, they'll realize how hard and difficult it is, is a bet I wouldn't be 100% confident making if I was them. Well, Sarah, Vidal, thanks for coming on Radio Advisory. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Vidal and Sarah are right. Private equity 
is here in healthcare, and they are here to stay. But there's one important caveat to that. You are not a passive actor here. It is not a matter of simply absorbing what private equity is going to do to your health system or to your physician practice or whatever part of the healthcare system you are in. There are always steps that you can take to engineer the right path forward, even as these disruptive forces come to your market. So remember, as always, we're here to help. Uh, can we get the license to Billie Eilish's bad guy for just this one episode? <laughs> do, 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 do. That's not good.